chapter one sections eleven through thirteen of the marvels of divine grace by alice lady lovett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one on the nature of grace section eleven the two great mysteries of the christian faith the incarnation of the word and the divine maternity of mary reveal the greatness of the treasures of grace in a still stronger light for in a very real sense it may be fitly compared with them which is the more adorable mystery says st peter chrysologus that god gave himself to the earth or that he gives you to heaven that he himself enters into such intimate union with our flesh or that he introduces us to companionship with the godhead that he is born like us to servitude or that he generates us as his free-born children that he adopts our poverty or that he makes us his heirs and the co-heirs of his only begotten son certainly it is more astounding and worthy of praise that earth should be transferred to heaven man should be transformed by the deity and the rank condition of slavery receive the rights of dominion again the same writer says so great is the divine condescension towards us that the creature knows not which to admire more that god has descended to our servitude or that he has transported us to the divine dignity therefore the church makes the priest say daily in the mass o god let us partake of his divinity who has deigned to partake of our humanity and this equalization this balance between the humiliation of god and the elevation of man by grace has so deep a reason that the holy fathers teach that the son of god was made man on account of grace to elevate us by grace god was made man that man might be made god says st augustine the son of god was made the son of man that the children of man might be made children of god and this doctrine is contained in the words of the apostle god sent his son made of a woman that we might receive the adoption of sons galatians chapter four verse four st fulgentius gives a beautiful explanation of the passage god was born of man that man might be born of god the first birth of christ as the son of god was of god the second of man our first birth is of man our second of god and because god to be born of woman adopted the reality of the flesh he has given us at our regeneration in baptism the spirit of sonship what christ was not by nature at his first birth that he was made at his second birth by grace that we might also be made by the grace of the second birth what we were not by nature of the first god however has brought us grace when he was born of man we on the other hand receive grace gratuitously that by the gift of the incarnate god we might partake of the divine nature 
if then the condescension of god in his incarnation appears to us inconceivably great as great as is the infinite distance between god and the creature must not the elevation of man to god which is its cause and reason likewise astound us almost in the same measure and degree the humanity of christ may be considered not only in its personal union with the son of god but also in regard to the qualities which it received on account of its divine dignity and here again the greatness of grace is made manifest god in all his wisdom and power could give the human soul of his son no more worthy condition than that which our soul receives by grace for it is the sublimest that can be found in a creature one distinction only is there between the soul of christ and our own the soul of the son of god has every claim and right to grace merits it instead of receiving it as a gratuitous gift it likewise receives grace directly and in exceeding abundance and can in no wise lose it our soul receives grace as a gratuitous gift through christ in a limited measure and may easily lose it by sin again the divine dignity which the humanity of christ receives through the personal union with the eternal word is reflected upon all the members of humankind as that humanity was made the true body of christ so all regenerated mankind was made the mystical body of christ christ is indeed the head and we are his members inasmuch as we are one with him we enjoy already apart from grace a certain supernatural dignity and as he had a right to grace so we acquire a right to it through him by him mankind appropriates grace and possesses it as something which is due to it on account of its head christ is the heavenly vine permeated by the fullness of divine life and we are the branches into which this life is diffused o christian soul st leo exclaims acknowledge your dignity know that as a christian you surpass the angels not only in nature but also in grace for the angels are kindred to god by one tie only because they partake of this divine nature you however in a twofold manner because god has also adopted your nature if these pure and holy spirits were capable of envy they would envy us because god hath taken upon himself the nature not of angels or archangels but of the seed of abraham very foolish says the venerable monk job are they who would rather be angels than men for although the angels are not subject to tribulations and death yet they have not the son of god for their brother nor have they the supreme consolation and honour of uniting and sharing even by this means their labours and sorrows with him by holy baptism we are incorporated into the mystical body of christ and in token of this union and as a pledge of it 
we receive the sacramental character by which we are made christ's and he becomes ours moreover we are as it were christ himself totus christus as saint augustine calls us inasmuch as we the body and christ the head form a whole the character is indelible in our soul and gives us as long as we live a right to the grace of god for the body of christ must also be filled by christ's life of glory but this right belongs to us only as long as we fear him and keep his commandments for this is all man section twelve in the mystery of the incarnation a human nature only is elevated to a divine dignity the divine maternity however is a supernatural dignity which was communicated to a human person it is therefore more easily compared with the dignity granted to us by grace the first truth we have to keep in mind is that in mary grace cannot be separated from her divine maternity this is the signification of the dogma of the immaculate conception namely that it cannot be supposed that the mother of god was even for one moment despoiled of his grace god is inseparably united with her is an axiom laid down by the holy bishop and martyr methodius in the third century because she communicated her human nature to the son of god she has a right as none other has ever had to the participation in his divine nature by grace as mother she forms one person as it were with her son his rights are her rights his gifts hers his sanctity her sanctity she is the woman seen by saint john in his revelations clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet apocalypse chapter twelve verse one the grace therefore that filled her soul has this prerogative above that of all other creatures that it is especially due to her as the grace of her divine son is due to him as it is said of her son that he is full of grace and truth so she is called by the angel not only blessed with grace but full of grace as christ is the only begotten son of the father so is mary his first-born daughter but apart from this august union and considering the maternal dignity of mary alone we may safely assert that grace is a greater gift and confers a higher dignity than that holy office itself as mother of god according to the flesh mary ranks high above all creatures but she would rather be a daughter of god by grace than the mother of god by nature for she well knows that notwithstanding the incomparable filial love which jesus bears for her he would nevertheless love another soul more if this soul were richer in grace it was this great truth which christ intimated to his disciples when they came to tell him his mother awaited him who is my mother and who are my brethren and stretching forth his hands towards his disciples he said 
behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of my father who is in heaven he is my mother and sister and brother matthew chapter twelve verses forty eight through fifty and again when in answer to the woman who cried out blessed is the womb that bore thee and the breasts that gave thee suck he said yea rather blessed are they who hear the word of god and keep it luke chapter eleven verses twenty seven and twenty eight by these words our lord intends us to understand that his mother was blessed and worthy of him for that reason because she performed the will of his father in the most perfect manner and that if another could have exceeded her in this respect he would honour her more than he did his own ever-blessed mother as mother of our saviour in the flesh she gave birth to him according to the flesh but by receiving the word of god into her soul she conceived and brought forth her son spiritually she was clothed with the splendour of his divine nature and thus entered into a heavenly relationship with him thus st augustine says the maternity would have profited the virgin nothing if she had not borne christ still more happily in the spirit than she bore him in the flesh by grace we are made to resemble in a marvellous manner the mother of god for we imitate in ourselves the maternity of mary by the reception of grace the same holy spirit that descended into the bosom of mary to confer on her a holy fertility descends also into our soul to generate in a spiritual manner the son of god as the blessed virgin by lending a willing ear to the angel and fulfilling the will of god was made the mother of the son in the flesh and in the spirit so must we give birth spiritually to the son of god by faithfully receiving the word of god and corresponding to his grace and his commands penetrated with the greatness of god's mercies to us should we not then join in mary's great hymn of thanksgiving my soul doth magnify the lord and my spirit rejoiceth in god my saviour for he that is mighty hath done great things for me mary is not our mother according to our human nature as this we received from eve and not from mary she is our mother in so far as we are the brethren of her divine son and are the living members of his body she is our mother according to grace by which we have received a new heavenly nature and partake of the nature of her son and therefore as god alone can be our father by grace so our mother by grace can be no other than the mother of god how highly should we value this privilege and how careful should we be lest by the loss of grace we go over from her to her enemy and the enemy of her adorable son section thirteen one thing yet remains to be said to prove the unspeakable value of grace in the sight of god and that is the infinite value of the price god himself paid for it 
what could he have done more than he has done to procure it for us for in purchasing grace for mankind he has not spared his only begotten son even the human life of the son of god is a divine life on account of the infinite dignity of his person and can only be sacrificed for the sake of another divine life neither heaven nor earth with all the splendour and countless number of beings they contain was worthy to be bought and saved by the life of the son of god or even by a tear or a drop of his blood and yet theologians say that the son of god would not have become man and died in vain should he have acquired grace for one soul only by sacrificing his life for us the son of god would have us understand that by doing so he has purchased for us the life of children of god and that the grace that adorns our soul possesses a value as infinitely great as that of his own precious blood for if his corporal life is of infinite dignity because it belongs to a divine person the life of grace is of equal value because it makes us partakers of the divine nature man by the sins of his first parents lost the grace which god in his infinite love had originally bestowed upon him in order to recover it for him god with equal or even greater love himself became man to restore to mankind the dignity they had forfeited and to bring them back to his paternal bosom behold the son of man descends from the highest heavens and is made flesh suffers the torments of the passion and dies on the cross and all this he undergoes for love of us and to acquire that grace which the world esteems so lightly nor did he believe he purchased it too dearly even at such a price if then the son of god who in his unspeakable wisdom estimates all things according to their true value would purchase grace so dearly for us how grieved we should be to lose it or rather should we not look upon such a loss as the greatest misfortune which could possibly befall us it did not satisfy christ merely to take upon himself our nature and die for us for thirty-three years he labored and suffered for us all his actions had an infinite value accordingly by one drop of his precious blood one action of his we might have merited grace again for us but to make us fully aware of the infinite value of grace he would show that even a god-man could not do and suffer too much for it therefore he suffered all that man could suffer he fasted forty days he endured his agony in the garden the scourging at the pillar the torments of the cross in order to raise us to the throne of grace and fill us with divine life in the light of our saviour's toils and anguish should we not understand that all sacrifices we are called upon to make for the sake of grace are nothing compared to its infinite value 
if we had to suffer all that christ suffered and to endure the torments of hell we could not merit the least degree of grace what limit should there be accordingly to our gratitude to him for having earned for us what we could not possibly have earned for ourselves and what is of such priceless value to us nor is this all that christ has done for us to propagate the blessings of divine grace at the last supper he instituted a sacrifice and sacrament which contains nothing less than his own precious body and blood which are the well-springs of all grace not satisfied with being born for us in the stable of bethlehem he comes again daily in ten thousand churches all over the world at the word of the priest to give himself to all who ask to receive him his love induces him to expose himself to the insults of the irreligious who receive him sacrilegiously and the neglect of the indifferent and lukewarm and thus he again proves that there is no sacrifice he is not willing to make to increase divine grace in the souls of the children of men the words of the apostle put these great truths before us in the most forcible terms know you not that you are not your own for you are bought at a great price glorify and bear god in your body 1 corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 to conclude grace is held in such high regard by god that he would rather that every evil should fall upon man and that the world should be thrown into confusion than permit the loss of grace thus have we not all heard or read in history of fearful epidemics of wars and earthquakes which have destroyed flourishing communities and converted smiling lands into deserts or persecutions waged against the just in which the sinner appears to triumph all these evils for which many men blame divine providence are permitted by god because temporal misfortunes are as nothing to him compared to the loss of grace which these trials are intended to convey to man or which is preserved to him by means of them grace is the pearl of great price and like the man in the parable we should willingly part with all we possess and even submit to every earthly trial which can befall us rather than part with it End of chapter one section thirteen